welcome to another episode of He's Not Done Yet. We're so honored that you're here today. Uh, we, uh, you know, He's Not Done Yet is a radio ministry, and it airs every Sunday at 10 a.m. on Victory Radio Station from 10 to 11. And then we also have a podcast that that the video drops every Friday at 6 a.m. on YouTube, as well as it's on Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. So we'd love for you to tune in and listen, and uh, we're so delighted that you're here. We also want to invite you to the First Pentecostal Church. We have um, church on Sunday morning at 10.30 and Sunday night at 7 p.m., as well as we have our midweek service is on Tuesday at 7 p.m. And we'd love for you to come and visit. We'd love to have you. My cell phone number is 501-339-8017. Feel free to text me. We'd love to pray with you. Um, We know with all the bad weather and stuff that we've had, uh, if you're looking for a place to come, we'd love to have you here at the First Pentecostal Church and. Um, I can tell you that's where I found my hope is right here. Um, you know, one of the things I say about the, the church is is I visited a lot of churches um, uh, but when I was on my search, um, you know, trying to come out of the world. And what I can say about the first Pentecostal church, all I can tell you is, is this is where I found true love. And um, I am just so thankful that uh, the Lord led me here. And uh, so we're going to start today with the scripture from, today's scripture is from Psalms 27 and 4. One thing I have desire of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We praise you today, God. We're so honored. We're so thankful today, God, that you had allowed us to come today, Lord, that this would fall on good ground, Lord. And we love you, and we thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody give God some praise tonight. Come on, anybody happen to be in the house of the Lord? Come on, put those hands together. Come on, is anybody happy to be here on tonight? Did you come to have some Holy Ghost church? Hey! Jesus, I don't forget what you've done for me. Jesus!
Say, never, never, oh. never forget. Say, never.
Well, today is a special day, and I am truly, uh, I was really looking forward uh, till today. Um, Sister Herndon is one of my heroes, and um, I remember, um, I think it was a year or two ago, you had spoke on your why, and it really, really uh, touched me and really got me got my mind turning, and I, I really, really enjoyed that, and we're so honored you're you're here today, and we just want you to come in and obey the Holy Ghost today. Well, thank you so much, Brother McDougal, for being on here, and I have a podcast as well, so I know that it's easy to say, I want to do a podcast, and it's easy to buy equipment. <laughs> it's easy to do all those things, but it's not very easy to actually show up, make time in your day to get them done, to edit them, get them out there. So thank you for doing this. And I love the name that he's not done yet, because every time I'm listening to one of your podcasts and I hear someone give their testimony or tell of their victory and thinking about even with your own life, what God's done, and then to think, God, you're not done yet. You still have more to do, more victories to win, more blessings to give. So I'm very honored to be on here and that you've asked me. So I'm just going to share a little bit of my life story um, and pray that it helps someone. Whenever I was going back and thinking about different things that I was going to talk about, and just in my story and my life in general, um, I thought, you know, I could go this avenue and I could share this. And I thought, I could share. <laughs> I would be up here for a very long time talking for hours of what all that God has done in my life and for me um, and how He's kept me in my lifetime. But I'm just going to go back and share a little bit from the beginning. So um, a little bit of my backstory and how my dad got here was um, my grandmother, after she had had, she had my dad and her his two older brothers, um, she hit really hard times, and she couldn't take care of them anymore. And so she was talking to the Hemp Hills about how um, that she couldn't take care of her kids, and they knew the time she was going through. And so he actually showed her in his will where his kids were going to Bishop and Sister A.O. Holmes' um, children's home if anything had happened to his children or if anything had happened to him and his wife, that that's what ha would happen to his kids. So because of that, she trusted him, and she drove um, down to Arkansas, and she met the Holmes family. Um, so my dad got dropped off at the children's home at three years old, um, and he was the youngest, from what I understand. He was one of the youngest that had ever been dropped off there, so he was the baby of the children's home. Um, and through that, he found a love for the Holmes family, for Bishop and Sister A.O. Holmes um, and for all of their family. And um, when she come back to pick him up, he was seven. But Bishop Holmes made him, made her stay in a house close to the, uh, close to the children's home so that he would know they were being taken care of. Um, so my dad, throughout his life, he didn't always do right as he got older. Um, but thankfully, he always, he always had that love for, for the Holmes family and for what they had done for him and for truth. And they put that in his heart. Um, and so he moved or he went to Louisiana and met my mom. And from there, they moved back to Arkansas and started their family, went to the Holmes Church. And so I was born and raised in this my whole life. Uh -huh. So that's been a huge blessing um, and a huge part of my life. But um, so... A funny story that I'll actually tell you is we lived 
and breathe. I was born and raised with everything that Bishop Holmes said is that's what we did. Like, that's just how we lived our lives. And my mom had me on a Monday via C-section. And whenever he went to leave, he's like, well, we'll see y'all Sunday. (laughs) And my dad said, okay. And Sunday morning, they were sitting on the pew (laughs) with their new baby. So as a mom myself and having children, I'm like, how in the world did you have a C-section and six days later is sitting, you know, five days later, sitting on a church pew? But he had said, see you Sunday morning. (laughs) So they were there on Sunday morning. But that's just kind of how I was raised and how I was taught was everything that was said, that's how we lived. Um, This blessed me so much throughout my life because our life took a huge turn. Um, Whenever I was 14 years old, my dad backslid. This was something that honestly... It devastated our family, but it felt almost like a church death as well. Um, it was devastating to Bishop Holmes. It was devastating to um, our church family, the congregation in general. I remember grown men would come up to me. I was a 14-year-old kid, and they would be crying. Like, we never expected this to happen. Of all the men that would have had trouble or backslidden, we would have never dreamed that it would have been your dad. So it was really hard for all of our family, and it was hard for the church in general. Um, And I know Bishop has said many times, you don't backslide overnight. It happens over time. You backslide on the church pew before you're out the door. But it felt overnight for us. It felt overnight for me as a kid. So we went from doing everything that the preacher had said we had lived. We didn't live a different way at home than we lived on vacation. We lived the truth everywhere we went. And we did exactly what was preached over that pulpit. And in one night, seemingly, that changed. You know, we um, I was raised without a television in a godly home, loving parents, to having television, fighting parents, a dad that um, quickly spiraled off into drugs. And it was just a world that I had never known um, before. And I'd never, never known any of that lifestyle, and all of a sudden it was all around us. It was in our home. Um, so that created a little bit of rebellion um, in my life and in my heart. I was very angry. I was, I remember vividly thinking, I don't want to live this way my whole life and, you know, not do all these things just to become an adult and decide that it's not worth it and you can do whatever that you want to do. <laughs> and so I just remember thinking, like, Do I really want this? Is this really how I want to live? So my life has honestly been living proof of that God works everything to the good for those that love Him. Because I truly remember that I loved my pastor. um, I loved my church. And I loved this way. I had already had it embedded in my heart. I knew that God had good things for those that loved him and those that served him. And I wanted that so desperately. But as a 14-year-old and a 15-year-old, you're already questioning life and you're already all the things. But then whenever you're questioning life in an atmosphere that isn't godly and in an atmosphere that would create more questioning, um, it was hard. And it was there were things that we did that were out of rebellion and out of, you know, just not really knowing exactly what to do and not having that guidance. Um, So in 10th grade, my sister Janet was in the ninth grade. We decided we were going to go to Sylvan Hills. 
Well, we had always been at Calvary Academy. And um, so we left from this sheltered environment, and we left from an environment of love and of peace and of loving teachers and guiding to, I mean, it was something I hadn't, I just walked into an atmosphere. I had no <laughs> clue I was about to walk into. There was fighting. I remember in the lunchroom, fights would break out. I was like duck under tables. I was scared to death. Um, so it was just, it was absolutely horrendous the atmosphere and what we were in. I was scared to death every day. So it only took me a couple weeks, and I started begging Bishop and Sister Aulis to allow us to come back to Calvary Academy. I'm like, please let us come back. And thankfully, they said after that nine weeks was up that we could. And those last couple weeks were just misery for me, (laughs) you know. But I had praying grandparents that were praying for us. Um, My mom kept going to church. She never backslid but honestly she was just trying to live like she was trying she was going through so much too and um she was i really feel like just trying to keep from having a nervous breakdown altogether if she didn't have one um and then my dad all the changes that was going on with him and he's spiraling off more out of control there's more drugs get involved all the things so we got back to calvary academy thankfully um And then at, so Matt and I were dating off and on from the ninth grade. Um, And I was in ninth grade whenever we had first started dating. And then I had certain rebellious stages. Um, And then around 17, I started dating the wrong person. And Bishop had told me from the get-go that he was the wrong person and not to date him. But looking back and thinking of it, even then, I remember thinking, like, this is an attack of the enemy on me. Not only has he destroyed my parents' life, um, and has he destroyed our family as a whole, but it was like he was coming after everything, after everything that my dad had. He was coming to destroy it, and he was coming to destroy his children. And I remember the enemy, that feeling of attack on my mind. I'm like, I know that I need to break up. I know I need to do the right thing. But I remember it feeling like a spiritual battle more than just a normal 17-year-old relationship. And so rock time rocked on. I still wasn't always doing the right thing. And I don't know if Bishop had come over himself or if he sent someone to me, but this was back when everyone did counseling after church. And um, so it was always like, you know, long lines of people that would stay and talk to him and counsel with him. Well, he motioned for me to have a seat. <laughs> so I knew I was last in line for the counseling. <laughs> I'd done that before. <laughs> and um, he motioned for me to have a seat. And so whenever he comes over there to me at the end, he gets out that little pocketbook that he has that we've all seen him get out that he'll write notes in. And it had some dates in there. It has a calendar in there. And he started pulling it out. And he's like, you know, you want to date this boy and you want to do this. He's like... Um, I need to know some dates of when you want to marry him. And I'm just looking at him like, I wasn't expecting you to tell me this, you know. And I'm like, this isn't the right thing. This isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. And he's like, no. He's like, that's what you want out of life. That's what you're going to get. And he's like, I need to know some dates. And I just wouldn't answer him. And um, another funny story I'll kind of interject here. At one point, whenever he was talking to us, he's like, what do you like about him? What do you see in him? I'm like, well, he's funny. 
And he's like, well, I hope you can laugh when the lights are off because he's not going to be able to pay the bills. <laughs> and I'm like, he's like, I hope you're going to think that's funny when you're sitting in the dark. And I'm like, I won't think it's funny. <laughs> Thank the Lord I can laugh today yeah. because I listen and I'm married to someone keeping the lights on. Um, but during those times, so he would come back and forth. So he knew, like, I guess this was his last resort. He was going to marry us. He's like, you know, surely you're going to have me be the one to marry you. So I need to know the wedding dates. And I wouldn't give him one. I'm like, I don't want, he's like, you don't want to marry him? And I'm like, no, sir, <laughs> I don't. He said, well, you give me your cell phone and you can go get a new one. You get a new number and um, I'll take this phone. And when he calls, I'll let him know that you are broke up. And I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> oh. I have no clue if he called and if Bishop broke up with him or what. I never heard the com- heard about the conversation. But that night, something changed in me where I knew, one, it goes back to that. I was talking about how my dad raised us. Everything he said, we wanted to please him. We wanted to do what the man of God said. We loved him. I wanted to please him more than I wanted the wrong thing. Um, more than I wanted certain things in my life, I wanted to please to please my man of God. I wanted him to be happy with me, and I wanted the will of God. And I knew the will of God was through what he was guiding me and leading me to do. So not too long after that, he was talking to me about dating Matt again, and he said, you know, he's going to marry a good girl because he's a good guy, and he's doing the right thing. And you can either let it be you or you can pass him by, but he's going to get married quickly and he's going to marry a good person and I'm going to be praying for it. So you just let me know what you want to do. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I'll just start pursuing him. <laughs> so it wasn't long after that, thankfully, uh, Matt and I started dating and I begged him to marry me until he finally got down on one knee. <laughs> and I do have to say that that has been in just a couple of days, that'll have been 16 years ago that he wow. asked me to marry him. So I'm grateful, uh, very grateful for that. But in my life, there's things that I think about. You know, like we've been married 15 years ago. We celebrated, or in in September, we celebrated 15 years of marriage. We have three beautiful children. And I'm just living such a victorious life. But I think about throughout my life, those situations that had happened You know, I was living some circumstances that I didn't put on myself. I didn't want to live in a backslidden home. I wasn't longing for television and doing the wrong things when all those things come into our life. It just, that's what was handed to me. That was a life that was given that I didn't have control over. But I think about all the times that things were, it was the easier thing to do. So it was. It would have been easier to have just continued to live the wrong way. It would have been easier in 10th grade to have kept going to Sylvan Hills, giving it more time. Um, we had friends, and so that wasn't the issue. And they were telling us, like, give it more time. You'll get used to it. You'll love it here. My sister loved it there. And it would have been easier to have done that than to have begged Sister Alice to have mercy and allow us to come back in the nine-week period because that was one of the stipulations is, Bishop had told us, you, y'all leave Calvary Academy, that's fine, but you're not coming back on your own free will. It'll have to be some decisions made. And then it would have been easier at 17 to, and you know, I had turned 18 at the time whenever he was asking me for the dates. But I think it would have been easier at that time to have just 
to have just allowed the devil to have his way, to destroy my life. It felt like I was making the hard decisions whenever I was asking to come back to Calvary Academy. I remember times when I got myself up and drove myself to church by myself and none of my family was waking up on a Sunday morning to go. And I think it would have been easier to have stayed asleep and to have been at home. And it would have been easier to have just stayed in a rebellious state of mind at the time. Those felt like the easier decisions to make. But today I'm living actually the easy life because I made those hard decisions. Or if I would have kept on those Easy decisions of just going on a whim and not standing up and not having to change and having to work on myself. I would be living a really hard life today, but I'm able to say that I'm living in complete victory in a victorious home, uh, raising our kids at Calvary Academy. Um, All three of my children have the Holy Ghost, and Ada got it at four, Evelyn at three, Ezra just got it, and he's four. And just thinking of the way that God has blessed our lives, our business, the financial side of life has been blessed. Like every way I've turned, I'm literally living in complete victory. But I think about it's because as a young person making those decisions, it felt hard. And it felt like that it it was devastating at times to do the right thing. Now today I'm able to say like, and I, you know, at the time when you're 17, now looking back, I'm 36, I've got a happy marriage, and you look back and you're like, that was an easy decision. Like, that was no <laughs> big deal. But I remember the turmoil that I was going through, and I remember the things and the ways that I would feel going through all those things and making those decisions seemingly on my own, not having family to back me up and to be there every single step. My mom always lived right. I'm not saying that she didn't, but... She honestly was just trying to stay afloat and alive herself. Like she wasn't always there to to make us do the right thing, you know, and to fight for for us as well. And so looking back, I think, you know, there were times when those decisions, you know, I could have done those things. But today I'm so glad that that I did the right thing. And I'm so thankful that my parents instilled My parents didn't always do the right thing. My dad sure didn't do the right thing and raise us in the right way always. But I think, what if he wouldn't have instilled such a love for our pastor in our hearts? Like, that's the best thing that they could have ever done for us. It's the best thing they could have ever given us because we wanted to please our man of God. We wanted to do the right thing. We wanted him to have guidance and to have authority in our lives. And because we were raised that way, I'm reaping great benefits from that today. So somebody listening to this story right now and you're looking, you may be in the hard battle. There may be something I know that there's things that even as adults or there may be a young person that's listening to this and you're thinking, you know, I have I've had battles to face and I have things and hard decisions that I know it's the right decision. But just because it's the right decision doesn't mean it's an easy decision. And just because that things are what you know you should be doing. It's not always that you don't have to go through some grief or you don't have to walk through something hard to be able to do that right thing. But I'm living proof that if you walk with the Lord, that you're going to walk in victory and you're going to have a victorious life and He's going to fight those battles for you. Um, 
the other day I was walking back and forth and I was praying and I love having that screen and it said victory in 23 and I was walking back and forth and I said, Lord, I want to walk in victory every day, every day of my life. I want to have victory in my life. Like, how can I do that? And I just felt something so strongly like boom back into my head and said, you just walk with me. I cannot be defeated. I can only have victory. If you walk with me every day, you're going to walk in victory every day. And you can't have victory without having a battle. So it doesn't mean that battles aren't going to come. It doesn't mean that things aren't going to come up against us. It doesn't mean that we're just going to have something easy to go through every day. But you can go through battles and you can go through hard things. But if you're walking with the Lord, then you're going to walk in victory because He can't be defeated. So as long as you're with him, you'll never be defeated. As long as he is walking with you and he's your business partner and he's the one helping make financial decisions and marriage decisions and decisions for your family, decisions for your kids, you'll be in living a victorious life and in victory every single day as long as you're walking with him. Hallelujah. So I... I am very excited and thankful to say that throughout my life and through all the things that we went through, um, I never gave up. Like I said, I was in those battles and in that hard times, but I still always ended up somehow with God's help doing the right thing and God just pulling me out and allowing me to walk through those battles. And nine months ago, I could not give this testimony, but today I can say that my dad has been clean and sober from a 22-year meth and cigarette addiction for over nine months. And it's something that, honestly, I didn't pray for. I actually, I mean, when you're praying for 22 years (laughs) for God to deliver someone, and they are on an extreme meth addiction where they can't even think clearly. Last night in the sermon, um, Brother Fish was saying, you know, that you can't even, they can't even think right. Like they can't even, they're not even thinking clearly. And I leaned to Matt and I'm like, that was my dad. Like I never even imagined that he could truly live for God because I didn't think his mind, that he had enough mind left to live for God. So what I prayed for every single day was God, please don't let my dad die of an overdose and us find out later that he passed away. Like, please let me know that whenever he dies, that he had a chance to be saved. Like, I know you've given him so many chances, but if you'll just do this for me, and then for God to do immeasurably more, abundantly, more than we can even ask or think, he not only allowed my dad another chance, but he gave him complete victory. And he didn't give it to him on his deathbed, but he gave him a chance to know my kids and to sit with us on a church pew. And he did it before his mom passed away, um, giving her a chance to know that he was saved. Like, God, honestly, he cannot be defeated. So just walking in victory is walking with him every day because no matter what we go through, no matter what battles we face, if we're doing it with God, it's going to be victorious because he can't be defeated. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Sister Hernan. Wow. Did that bless you? I'm telling you what, that's what I call victory. <laughs> victory, victory, victory. What a, I tell you, thank you, Jesus. Boy, God is so good. I'm telling you. Well, Thank you so much for coming. We sure do appreciate you so much. And uh, we're going to um, 
ask our pastor if he'd come in and sing a song called Worth. You thought I was worth saving So you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping So you cleaned me up inside You thought I was to die for So you sacrificed your life So I could be free I could be
Sacrifice your life so I could be free. 